presents Into the West. Old-time radio westerns that share the stories of the men and women who claimed the West. The cowboys and ranchers, the gunslingers and gamblers, the lawmen and the lawbreakers. These are the tales of the frontier of the intrepid pioneers who ventured into the West. episode of Into the West, we'll hear from Frontier Fighters, a syndicated series aired sometime in the 1930s, featuring 15-minute episodes that were each a bit of a history lesson about the early West. We'll hear two of those today. The first is Lewis and Clark and shares a bit of their story. The second is titled Zebulon Pike. Frontier Fighters. Frontier Fighters, inspiring dramatic incidents in the lives of the trailblazers of the Far West. 1803. Seated in his study, President Thomas Jefferson is talking to his personal secretary. Captain Lewis, your attention, please. Yes, Mr. President. Captain, I'm a plain man. Plain spoken. Yes, Mr. President. You've been my confidential secretary now for, uh, let me see, two years. Uh, Yes, sir. Two years, uh, lacking a few months. Captain, have you ever speculated why I chose an army officer to be my secretary? Uh, Many times, Mr. President. Well, sir, you're you're going to relieve me? Send me back to the troops? No, I'm not returning you to your regiment. Captain Lewis, you've no business in the army. No business in the army? Oh, you don't think I lack courage, sir? Of course not. Your record in the Whiskey Insurrection is ample proof of your courage. Well, then, Mr. Jefferson, just what do you infer? Captain Lewis, as third president of the United States of America... I contemplate sending an expedition to explore the great Northwest Territory beyond the Rocky Mountains. You, Captain Merriweather Lewis, and another Army officer will lead that expedition. Well, uh, I'm honored, sir, and thank you for your confidence. And uh, who, may I ask, is to be my colleague in this undertaking? A man like yourself, a soldier, intelligent and courageous. A man who will sacrifice his life, if need be, to make this project a success. 
Captain William Clark. Winter, 1803. At the head of 26 men, 14 of them volunteer soldiers, the others Kentucky boys, Lewis and Clark were snowed in at the mouth of the Missouri River, near what is now the city of St. Louis, until the spring thaws finally released them and they traveled on. Ever westward toward the setting sun toiled the Lewis and Clark cavalcade, fighting hostile Indians, exploring the hidden tributaries of the great Missouri River, blazing new trails through the dense but magnificent wilderness, charting paths never before trod by white men. The winter of 1804 saw Lewis and Clark among more friendly redskins in what is now southeastern Montana. One day, while the explorers were making a survey with their simple yet effective instruments... Hey, look. Look, Clark. In the valley there. Two men. They're both white, too. And an Indian girl. By Cornwall, one of the men is beating the girl. Well, we can't allow that. You're right, Lewis. Come on. Ain't that about enough, LeBlanc? She's about dead already. Uh, I got to wail the daylight out of an engine door to make him behave. <laughs> Stop. She's your wife now, not your slave girl any longer. You're married proper. That gives me more rights to whale her, and I'm taking them. <laughs> Quiet, I tell you. I'll face you one myself. Oh, you will, will you? Who'll help you? Well, I will. You raise that whip again, and I'll thrash you within an inch of your life. And who might you be? I'm Captain Lewis. This is Captain Clark. How? Oh, my name's George Drewyer. We was on our way to pay you a visit. Our expedition don't welcome white men who beat women, not even Indian women. Uh, who's this man and this Indian girl? He's Pierre LeBlanc. The girl's his squaw. Uh, oui, and we're married proper. Uh, what's your business? Traders, trappers, or guides? Uh, neither. We're interpreters. What Indian we two men don't know, <laughs> my squaw does. Does she understand English? <laughs> Some. Go ahead, palaver with her. Uh, what's your name, girl? Sakajawea. Uh, who are your people? The snakes. Uh, what does Sakajawea mean among your people? Bird woman. Uh, I see. Uh, how did you come to marry this uh, LeBlanc? I... <laughs> ah, hold your tongue. I'll answer that. Yeah, we're listening. I won her in a game with the chief of the Minotrees. <laughs> she was a prisoner of war. Uh, is that true, Sakajawea? Yes. Arthur Woman and we were captains. My man gambled 14 horses for me. He won. Ah, you're lower than a skunk, LeBlanc. Throwing dice for a woman. <laughs> we white men out here live according to Indian custom. I want both women fair and square. I married this one. <laughs> she can guide, too. And so you two men want jobs as interpreters, huh? Yes, sir, we do. Well, you're hired at army pay. And listen, LeBlanc. We, uh, oui, sir, uh, Captain, sir. If we ever catch you beating your squaw again, you'll wish you'd lost your 14 horses instead of winning this poor, abused girl. You understand? Uh, uh, yes, sir. Come on, you two, to the headquarters tent. The Indian girl, too. We start west at once. Grateful to Lewis and Clark for delivering her from the white man's lashings, Sakajawea many times saved the expedition from total annihilation. As one day, while on the plains... Hey, Clark! Look! There's buffalo on that rise! I see him. They look ugly, too. 
Yeah, they're milling. Waiting for that big bull leader to make up his mind. He's decided. There they go. There must be 10,000 animals in that herd. Yeah. Hey, hey, the leader's seen us. He's swerving them. Great Cornwall, they're heading straight this way. What do we do? Uh, look, Clark. The Kajuwea coming out of that gulch. You see over there to my right? Is that gal insane? She was safe there in that gulch. She's running straight to the middle of the herd. And waving a blanket. Yeah, it's an old Indian trick. She intends to part the herd in the middle. Oh, she'll never do it. There's too many. Lewis, we're all goners. The clerk. The clerk, they're almost on her. They'll trample her down. Hey, hey, wait a minute. She's flicking that big bull across the snow. Why, he stopped. And she hits him again. The herd's parting, Clark. It's parting. Down, everybody, down. Pray they'll pass us by. Hey, Clark. Clark, you... You all right? Sure. My eyes are full of dirt. Well, the herd parted in the middle. Just as Sakajawea had intended it should, and passed on either side of us. But where's Sakajawea? Uh, well, the girl's safe. She's still standing there where she hit that bull leader in the snout. <laughs> hey, look, Clark. She's waving her blanket at us. Uh, look, man. I see her now. By Cornwall, Lewis, she's laughing at us. She's laughing at Through unexplored forests, across forbidding mountains, toiled the brave expedition, pushing the boundaries of the United States across the Rockies, adding to the nation's domain broad plains, fertile valleys, and snow-covered peaks, a dominion vast enough, rich enough to satisfy the ambition of kings. All through the long journey westward, with countless obstacles blocking the blood-stained, sweat-soaked path of the explorers, Sacagawea was constantly at the side of Lewis and Clark. The end of the month of June, 1805, found the party at the foot of the Great Falls of the Missouri. And, while making their tedious and harrowing portage around the Great Falls, Lewis and Clark and their intrepid companions celebrated the first Fourth of July ever to be held in Montana. Above Great Falls, they discovered that the Missouri River broke into three forks, which they named the Jefferson, the Madison, and the Gallatin. While traversing this country, they were deluged by numerous thunderstorms. Clark, this ain't a rain, it's a cloudburst. Better get out of this riverbed. This stream will be a torrent before long. Here it comes. Where's the Cajuia? Up ahead. Where you always find it. You take the men to that rise over there, and I'll go after the Cajuia. All right. To the rise. All men in baggage. Cajuia. Cajuia. Where are you? Here, Master Lewis, in this street. Hang on for your life. I'm coming. Sakajawea. Thank heavens I found you. What shall I do, Master Lewis? Hang on to my shoulders. Your arms tight around my neck. When I let go of this limb, I'll let the current take us downstream. And trust in God. Here we go. Ah! Hold on, Sakajawea. We'll make it. so hard. Keep your feet together. Uh, that's fine. I can still see that still water ahead there. We'll make for that. Sit 
Quiet now. Well, I took hold of these branches. Help us up out of the streamer. There. There you are. Now I can rest a bit on the sand. Well, great Cornwall. But that water was wet. Their buckskin garments hanging in tatters from their gaunt shoulders, their faces deeply seamed from hunger and exposure, their bare feet torn and bleeding, their flesh seared by Indian arrows, the explorers finally reached the Columbia River. What's the date, Lewis? Uh, it's November 15th. It's 185. Just around that bend in this river, Lewis. What do you see? Uh, I can't see anything, but I hear plenty. Listen. The sea, Lewis. The sea. That's sweet music, Clark. The roar of those bridges. I prefer the view. Blue water. Wide water. Salt water. Without limit. Mighty sea of the setting sun. The Pacific Ocean. And thus did victory crown the Lewis and Clark expedition. An epic struggle against almost overwhelming odds. A journey that gave America riches beyond human comprehension. Those pioneers of yesterday who followed that brave little band of trailblazers and their descendants of today owe a great and lasting debt of gratitude to Sakajawea, the simple Indian girl, who dedicated two years of her life to the service of her white brothers and sisters. And thus did the frontier fighters of yesteryear battle danger, the elements of nature, and discouragement to push the American boundary ever westward. Frontier Fighters!
Frontier Fighters, inspiring chapters of heroism and valor in the winning of the American West. When America concluded the Louisiana Purchase, no one knew precisely where the dividing line ran between the newly acquired territory and the Spanish provinces. So to avoid a possible boundary dispute, Lieutenant Zebulon Montgomery Pike, ambitious, patriotic, courageous, was ordered into the Southwest to secure definite information. Pike's command was insignificant. It consisted of but 20 men. Two lieutenants, a civilian surgeon, Dr. Johnson, a sergeant, and 16 privates. Pike left St. Louis on July 15, 1806. Late that fall, near Red Cloud in Webster County, Nebraska... Sergeant. Here, sir. Notice anything peculiar about this trail? Yes, sir. Been cavalry on this road. Foot soldiers, too. Recent. Military, eh? Yes, sir. Spanish. Here's a piece of leather one of the men found two miles back. Give it to me. Here, sir. Hmm. Sergeant, how many would you judge are in the party? About 100 horse and 400 foot. Dr. Johnson. Yes, Lieutenant. There are Spanish troops in this vicinity. 500. What do you propose to do? Engage them, of course. Drive them out. But 21 Americans against 500 invaders? This is your first assignment to an American army detachment. You have much to learn, Doctor. Much to learn. Forward! But Pike did not meet the invaders. Instead, on August 12th... You there! Under that war bonnet! What tribe is this? We are Pawnees. Who is chief of this village? Me, Thunderbird. Those strange banners of red and gold, whence come they? Presents from Spanish chief of South. Thunderbird? This land is now governed by the great white chief of the East. I have so heard. He is my chief. I obey him. You, in turn, obey me. Uh. If I allow you to keep the red and gold gift banners, will you plant my chief's banner of red, white, and blue among them? Yes. Sergeant, the detachment flag. Here it is, sir. Accept this banner, Thunderbird, and mark well that you plant it higher than the banners of red and gold. And keep it there! Weary, ragged, starving, low in spirits but high in resolve, Pike's detachment is camped on the south bank of the Arkansas River, near what is now Pueblo, Colorado. Look, Dr. Johnson, in the sky to my right. You mean that small blue cloud? That's no cloud, Doctor. From my chart, I find that's an undiscovered mountain peak, and I propose to climb to its top. With the skins of wild animals laced to their bleeding feet and their regimentals in rags... Pike and his officers begin their perilous climb toward the summit of the peak, more than 14,000 feet above sea level. This is madness, Pike. Why waste your strength? You'll need it later. You doctors. Uh, Why must soldiers always be pestered by medical men? You'll find out when we reach the top of this peak, if we ever reach the top. We'll reach it. Never fear. Pike never reached the top of the peak, which was later to be named in his honor. After crawling up the sheer walls but a few miles, Pike, suffering intensely from privation, hunger, and exposure to the elements, was on the verge of complete collapse. On Dr. Johnson's strict orders, Pike returned to camp. Winter. Bitter Rocky Mountain winter. Without shelter, in deep snow, without food. January 19th. The expedition had not tasted food for four terrible days. 
How are the men, Doctor? Well, four will die in a few hours, Lieutenant, unless they have nourishment. Doctor, I'm going hunting for buffalo. Uh, there's no buffalo in these mountains. Place your ears to the ground like I'm doing. You're right, Lieutenant. There they come, over that ridge. Your rifle, Sergeant. Here, Lieutenant. Every man lie low. I'll pick off as many as I can as they pass by. One. Two. Three. Enough meat for a few days at least. Let's go, Sergeant, for some buffalo steaks and some warm skins to keep those men from freezing to death. Leaving behind those of his soldiers too exhausted to travel, Pike with Dr. Johnson, one lieutenant, and nine enlisted men broke out of the mountains. After incredible hardships and suffering almost beyond human endurance, Pike's slender command arrived at the Rio Grande at its junction with the Conejo. In a little fort, Pike, an invader himself now in a foreign land, summons Dr. Johnson. You sent for me, Lieutenant Pike? I have a little commercial matter which I want to have you adjust. In Santa Fe. But, sir, I'm a doctor, not a bill collector. Dr. Johnson, you're going to Santa Fe to straighten up this money matter. You're also going to collect information for the Army. Shall I keep notes? Naturally, but guard them well. We're going to have action down this way soon. And then the Army is going to need all the information it can lay its hands on. February 26, 1807. Pike's detachment of nine ragged privates stands at attention at the entrance to Pike's tiny fort as the Spaniards ride up to a halt. Welcome to the United States, sir. You and your gallant dragoon. <laughs> How droll. The United States, indeed. But you are in the United States. That's the Red River, and the Red River is in American territory. Senors, it is not the Red River, but the Rio Grande. And I, Don Bartholomew Fernandez, place you and your little scarecrow army under military arrest. Arrest? Yes, your sword, sir. This is an outrage. But I'm outnumbered 50 to 1. So here's my sword. Don't cut yourself with it. I shaved myself with it this morning. Pike and his scarecrows were marched to Santa Fe, where the commander was at once taken before Governor Allen Caster, who invited the invading American officer to dinner. And uh, how do you like our Spanish food, Senor Pike? Fine, Your Excellency. A trifle hot, perhaps, but filling, especially these beans. <laughs> yes. Uh, Senor Pike, your armed invasion is a serious offense against Spain, a grave offense. What do you propose to do with me? Feed me, and then hang me? What a queer sense of humor you Americanos have. Certainly not. Splendid. I prefer shooting. More military. I am neither going to hang you nor shoot you. Tomorrow I am sending you and your men to Chihuahua, where General Salcedo will dispose of your case. <laughs> yeah, General will certainly dispose of your case. <laughs> <laughs> Still guarded by Don Fernandez and his dragoons, Pike and his men were marched into the valley of the Rio Grande. The Americans were treated with every courtesy, but Pike's scarecrows were not in a receptive mood. Every mile, it seemed, 
brought them nearer their doom. It is siesta time near Atrisco. Nice country, Lieutenant. But how can one enjoy it going to one's own funeral? There will be no funerals, Lieutenant. Now, what do you mean? If they intended to shoot us, Santa Fe had plenty of walls to stand us against. But this long march to Chihuahua... Lieutenant, this maneuver has a deep political significance. Eventually, we'll all be released. So keep your eyes and ears open. And remember everything you see and hear. I anticipated everything that has occurred so far. Then you purposely allowed yourself to be captured? Of course. To get some first-hand knowledge of the people, their aims, and anything else of value. In the event of a war between our country and theirs. Don Fernandez was relieved by Don Fasunda Melcares, the same officer who penetrated Nebraska and presented the Pawnees with the red and gold banners of Spain. Milcares' hospitality exceeded that of Fernandez. The prisoners were suspicious of the display, all but Pike. He foresaw his destiny. A few weeks later in Chihuahua, headquarters of General Salcedo. The prisoner Pike, Excellency. Escort him in. This way, prisoner. General Salcedo. I stand to your command. Well spoken, senor lieutenant. Pray be seated. Thank you, Excellency. How do you like our jail, senor Pike? As jails go, not bad. You may erase it from your memory. Our execution, then, will take place at once? Execution? <laughs> Absurd. I'm sending you and your men home tomorrow. Then why march us way down here to Chihuahua, entertain us like kings on the way, then march us back? Orderly. See, Excellency? Outside. Close the door. Senor Pike, as one soldier to another, have I your word? You have my word, Excellency. Senor Pike, Mexico is preparing to throw off the yoke of Spanish tyranny. We count on our northern New World brothers to help us with troops and brave officers like yourself. Your compliments honor me, Your Excellency. So, when we invite your country's participation in our war of liberation from Spain... I trust you will remember and repeat to your superiors that we are a civilized people and not savages as our detractors have painted us. Am I understood? Yes, Your Excellency. Then you will cooperate when the hour strikes? Your Excellency, I am an American officer, a soldier. When the time comes that my nation shall join hands with yours in the conflict that you so eloquently predict, I will obey my president's orders and none other. Again, well spoken, Senor Pike. Now a toast. To the President of the United States. To the King of Spain. <laughs> to be sure, to the King of Spain. And to the President of the United States. The commercial, political, and military information Lieutenant Pike brought back to the United States was of immense value. And to this gallant and fearless officer's reports can be traced directly the beginning of the Santa Fe trade, which proved so rich for early Western American enterprise. The ashes of their campfires have long since grown cold. Time has obliterated their trails. But the great deeds of the frontier fighters will never fade from the glorious pages of American history.
that's into the west for this week we'll be back next week with more tales of the frontier in the meantime there's more old time radio at relicradio.com all the shows are listed there past episodes and links to everything else like our forum and our shoutcast stream where you can find more old time radio it's also a donate button if you'd like to help support this and all the shows I appreciate it very much if you're able to help out thank you to those who have and thanks for joining me today I'll be back next week with another episode of Into the West.